ready for your trip? Ish. Yeah. Yeah. I got a I got a pack still, but <laughs> honestly, like this trip, it's two weeks, but we're doing laundry on the way along the way. It's eight pairs of underwear, two pairs of jeans, six t shirts, three long sleeve shirts, one button down, socks. <laughs> right? What, what else do I need? Yeah, that's true. And you just do you just do laundry. You give yourself like two days to do laundry because you don't know how long or what? Uh, well, it's actually interesting. There's uh, an option. The hotel we're staying at in Fukuoka has self serve or full serve laundry available. Huh? So we'll probably just get them to do it. I don't want to spend time a day. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like if it's not even if it's not even the full day, it's the having to be there for three hours to sit in front of the machine. Yep. And then another hour to fold everything. Yep. Like. If I can spend fifty or a hundred dollars and have someone else do that, that's a good part of my vacation. Yeah, yeah. So, also, it's funny. I was actually talking to my dad about this before. Well, it was just whatever. He's like, "Yeah, I had laundry done once in Japan. It was like the nicest my clothes have ever been." <laughs> See, and I can't I want, experience that. Yeah, uh, I well, I also have had laundry done in Japan once. Actually, it was when I went for the seven well, my first seven eight seven flight. I went. And it was like it was a long trip. I went to China for a couple of days. I went to japan and then i continued on i think to la for a conference yeah and among other things i, I actually had them wash one of my aloha shirts because like the timing lined up with that for the inaugurals and it wasn't inaugurals like third day of service but my you know the hawaiian shirt came back like pressed and wrapped you know but with a bow on it and something and i was just like you know my, my, my laundry has never looked this nice i think it might be nice to do that again yeah 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 so yeah i think it's a cool experience yeah I mean, also, it makes packing a lot easier, and in the grand scheme of things, spending 50 bucks on something during my trip that makes the entire experience better, yeah, to us, is a smart way to spend money. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with hosts Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 459 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm joined this week, I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined this week by Seth Miller. How you doing? Uh, apparently very confused about the time-space continuum and when I'm actually leaving for my trip to Japan. When do you leave? I leave tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this on <laughs> Saturday. I leave tomorrow, but when we were originally thinking about this week and this week's recording and last week I said I wouldn't be here, I obviously was wrong. <laughs> so. it's, a, it's okay. We forgive you. Yeah. Also, there was a slight schedule change, so I have to catch a bus an hour earlier than I thought it was going to tomorrow morning. So, uh, and you're going Boston to Dulles, right? Boston to Dulles to Haneda. Yeah. 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 Nice. So, yeah. And are you uh, nonstop on the return? Are you are you so you're on United on the way over. Correct. Did you apply plus points to this? I did. Have they cleared? I did. They did. You did really? Yeah. Into, into uh, business, not just premium economy. So United, a couple, well, we've had these tickets for a while. I don't want to say a couple months, but it's probably six weeks ago, maybe, did a $300 cash upgrade to premium economy option. Okay. And before I thought, I'm on an award ticket, so plus points wouldn't work. Yep. And 300 bucks for premium economy was a, a no-brainer in my mind for a 14-hour, 15-hour flight, like... You know, shut up and take my money. Gif. Here we yep. go. Uh, upgraded to that. Once we did that, though, because it was a cash upgrade, something funky happened on the tickets, and I think that they sort of were treated like a paid ticket and sort of like an award ticket. Yep. Uh, 
also, in my case, they were global services points, so mm. it would work either way. Yep. Um, but I guess it's what PZ is the global service bucket. So when I bothered to finally, you know, summon the courage to ask a good friend for the upgrade, uh, who was global services, PZ was nine and it cleared right away. That's awesome. Yeah. 300 bucks for PZ. Well, I mean, in theory, it was wasted 300 bucks because global service would have cleared. (laughs) One of the benefits of global services on United is they can clear upgrades on award seats. Well, and, and on that long of a flight too, like it just, I mean, even premium economy would have been a nice change just to be able to, I mean, cause it's oh, a yeah. wife, you know, it would have been yeah. great, but um, having business, we could. just the two of us instead of three across like in the seats, but it's also, I'm very happy. I'm not at all upset about the fact that we're going to do this business class, but it's like yet again, I had a flight that I thought I was going to be in United, uh, premium plus and I'm not, I, I'd I, count that. I'd count that as okay. I, it is okay, but it's one of the things like I've still never flown it, and one of these days I'm going to have to. <laughs> you're not, you're not missing much. Um. So, and then yeah, I know. Well, coming back, it's uh, I think we talked about this two four two seven eight seven. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I mean I think it's a nice it's a, it'll be a nice trip, and the weather weather looks good, and so weather looks great. Mid sixties for highs, upper forties for lows, no precipitation. Fantastic. Yep. Yeah, so pack a couple t-shirts and a fleece. That's where you go. Let's uh let's talk about Dubai. Yes, my air show. There. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about what's going on with the air show and or what went on with the air show and changed. Uh, yeah, so, so um obviously we talked a little bit last week about the big order uh kicking off the week with Bo- with Boeing and uh, Emirates. Uh, overall, Boeing certainly seemed to dominate orders. Uh, you know, some of the smaller. Orders like a couple 787s to Royal Air Maroc or Royal Jordanian, things like that. Uh, Emirates did, on the last day, put in an incremental 15 A350s. Okay. Um, and so uh, that is, that's happening. It's not only Boeing. And, you know, Airbus got a few bits and bobs here and there. But uh, the Riyadh Air wide body or narrow body order never quite materialized the turkish one apparently that we talked about last week where there was handshakes on the you know, banks of the bosphorus is still pending board approval in istanbul so uh and or it's approved but not announced i don't know there's i actually heard a rumor slash story from someone that like delta was going to going forward not make major announcements about orders mm-hmm. because given how far out they are on the timeline, it becomes something to an, you know, to the effect of signaling your competitive plans a decade away. Yeah. That's, that's a stretch, but (laughs) yeah. So we're buying planes. We're an airline. (laughs) Right. Um, But, you know, I think what was really interesting to me more so than in past years, this Dubai air show seemed like an Emirates press release bonanza. Hmm. How so? Well, I mean, like the, the first day when there was the uh, announcement about some of the, uh, the first orders that they put in, uh, which was, I guess it was a 787 since 777X incremental orders. Mm-hmm. Um, even with that, there was like, a separate or there are separate press releases from suppliers highlighting all the work they're doing with Emirates. Hmm. Uh, like 
And one of them was Talis reminding the world that they had the contract for the 777X IFE program, Entertainment Systems. And it was like, so people were like, didn't we know that already from like five years ago? Yes. Part of the problem there is that everything 777X is stupidly delayed. Um, yep. Smartly delayed for safety, stupid because it's just, you know, absurd that it's taking so long. Uh, but... You know, it, there was that. There was like the second day had an entire press release just about the A380s and how, like, they're investing tons of money to keep them in service and like naming the suppliers for the brakes and wheels, <laughs> like, which it matters. Like, it's a big contract. That's a big money for I think Safran in that case. Uh, Honeywell got one of the contracts as well for brakes and wheels on a different type. I forget which was which, but like. Those are big deals, and it's big money for those suppliers, and ecosystem has to develop and support, yada, yada, yada. But, um, you know, getting all those stuff and, like, that becoming the storyline, just, it was different from other shows where you typically have a few more stories about other airlines placing orders or other things. Yeah, I mean, it almost feels like there's a lot of piggybacking on what's going on with Emirates. Like, that. Yeah. That's what that's what happened, is... Everyone's taking the Emirates announcement and piggybacking on it to reap some kind of yeah. And like, risk. listen, it's, if you're Safran Passenger Innovations and you're in, you had a contract with Airbus to sell in-flight internet services, but Airbus is sort of managing the installation certification process, and you've all of a sudden got 125 tails committed, 110 of which are from Emirates. You should probably put out a release on that. Airbus actually put out that release. But Safran sort of broke that news the day before by announcing that it had the A380s in-flight internet deal. And then it's actually funny. Like I, So I reached out to the vendor, who Viasat, who ultimately is the service provider there, say, hey, is this guy you guys? Because Safran said it's them and, you know, you're the only supplier available and, and, and. And they're like, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow. We're uh, checking a few things. Um, and then not quite. They were like, well, there's a third party release coming out. Let's wait till that release comes out and we can talk to you about it. Wow. So like it was, that part was just funny. Like reading between the lines and learning extra things along the way. It's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. 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 For sure. Tea leaves. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, good, you know, I guess a good show. Um, I don't know. I I'm a little torn on these, on the big air shows as being valuable to the industry. Do you, do you wish you would have gone or did you, do you feel like you would not to Dubai? Dubai is at DWC, which is the other airport down in up in wherever um, the middle of nowhere. It's 90 minutes stuck in traffic to and fro. It's very expensive to be there. I mean, there's some cheaper hotels you can find, but like the last time I went, I was fortunate that I was on, um, I was working the show. I was moderating panels there. So they provided the transportation. Yeah. But the first day, you know, to straight nonstop to and from the hotel for the media and other people, not media, but uh, presenters and whatnot. Uh, I went one of the days, like the timing didn't quite work out. So I took the bus to the last station on the Metro rail and then, you know, across and whatever. And it was not great. <laughs> it was just it ate up your day. It's a long sh- slog to get out there. And then you're out there and you're wearing a suit outside in Dubai on a flight line. <laughs> where it's 100 degrees. Like, 
it, I, I've had better schwitzes in my life. So. <laughs> I like that. I like that way of putting it. Um, um, there's some Haneda follow-up. What yep, is this about? Just a quick bit. Uh, we talked last week about United and Americans submitting their bids for the now Delta abandoned slot. Um, they got their opportunity to respond to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, United, as has been their uh, want lately, got pretty sassy. <laughs> I think is the technical term uh, in their response, basically being like, you know, the department should remember that it asked for documentation on why these things were good. And American didn't even bother. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but only a little bit like United prepared charts to show what Americans should have shown of why its connectivity would have been better if it had picked Philadelphia or Charlotte, Um, which is just funny, I think. But uh, American, in its response, actually did come with some data this time, which is good. The first one really didn't have much. Yeah. And they basically disputed a number of the benefits United claims it can bring, basically saying, hey, uh, United says it's improving connectivity for, you know, 30 other cities, but five of them are in Texas and no one from those cities goes to Japan anyways. And these other 20, like most of them, you know, some of them involve an overnight and Houston, some of them are actually better served through the existing connections United already has through uh, O'Hare or Dulles. And that actually, I think, is a compelling argument, right? Like Philadelphia and Roanoke were on the, and Columbus, Ohio, were on the map of cities that would benefit from a Houston to Haneda service. Hmm. And like, a bunch of those were like, or you could just route through the existing O'Hare flight or the Dallas flight and or the Newark flight and everything would be just fine. Thanks. <laughs> um, like, yes, you're right. The, the existing service via Houston sucks, but that's why you have multiple hubs serving these smaller towns. So it'll be interesting to see. I think like, I'm pretty sure we said this last time at the end of the day, it comes down to does the DOTC value in improved connectivity to Haneda and beyond, because right theoretically to Narita everything's the same. Yep. Just to Tokyo, you can. I mean, yes, Haneda is a better experience for getting to and from Tokyo, but uh, it's hard to argue that it's a harder argument that shifting from Narita to Haneda really matters for people going to Tokyo. Yeah. uh, Versus for onward travel, and so it's basically comparing that to increased capacity into new york where there's already a lot of capacity and competing service from ana and jal um what i say one other interesting thing about it that uh american did mention its response because united was basically saying oh well uh new york hasn't fully recovered and is is it new york demand hasn't recovered and houston demand has and so houston is growing faster and should get better service Mm mm-hmm American points out that, A, it's not more service, it's just different service, so it's not really helping that, and B, United used data that cut off before the summer season when the uh, COVID restrictions were fully gone, so may have been a little misleading in what it was suggesting. Yeah. I I was just doing some some, uh, searching, and I, I, on American, uh, just looking for, like, New York to domestic Japanese cities that are not Tokyo. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that through Narita, they will sell you a connection on Jetstar, Tokyo, uh, Jetstar Japan. Um, 
but through Haneda, they'll sell you Japan Airlines. Is it um, a market that JAL serves Narita from Narita? I would guess it's not. It's probably not. F- Fukioko is what I'm looking at. Fukioko, so, yeah. Uh, like, ANA doesn't serve that from Narita. Yeah. So I would I bet JAL doesn't either. Um, but there's something like 40 flights a day <laughs> if you go from Haneda. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to look at, like, Sapporo, because that's another one that's further north, and I would expect it to be served from both. Um, that Even when I went last time, like, in 2018, 2019, that was heavily Haneda, if I remember correctly. Mm, okay. I so, just, I think it's, I think it's yeah. interesting, like, the, everyone's looking at the U- U.S., it seems like everyone's looking at the U.S. side, well, and... Yeah, they have to because the way the DOT process is written, it's based on these slots are allocated based on benefit to the uh, U.S. consumer. Mm -hmm. And so if they're talking about uh, if they're talking about the beyond traffic and connections it's better to focus on we serve you know half a million customers better on the u.s side than twenty thousand people better on the japan side even though the japan side is probably more legit actually better i mean it, it, it feels like to me i mean looking at even the schedules like ignore the japanese side yeah. it feels like aa's market is weaker right everything seems to be served that they serve it directly DFW LAX is all 788s right now. Yeah. It's smaller like, planes. Smaller planes. I mean, Japan Airlines serves it with a 773. They serve DFW yeah. Haneda with a 773. So I'm just so you know, I'm looking at November. I pulled up Syrian while we're talking here. Mm-hmm. In November, ANA operates from Haneda 810 flights to Fukuoka and 864 to uh, CTS, Sapporo. So divide that by 30. That's like more than 25 a day in each of those markets. Yeah, yeah. JAL is 480 to Sapporo and 516 to Fukuoka. Massive numbers of flights. It's still 15 to 20 a day, 15 to 18 a day. Yep. Uh, ANA offers one daily flight Narita to Sapporo, and that's it. Yep. Neither of them had, that's the only, of the two destinations, that's the only service from Narita. So, uh, it really, for domestic stuff, those two airlines pulled back and really focused on Haneda, in part because if you're doing domestic travel, you probably want to be in Tokyo. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to take the hour-long train ride, right, out to right. Narita to get on a plane. like. A- um, and uh, partly because Haneda has opened up to international connections, so they're connecting bank. You, you want your connecting banks all in one place if you can. They used to have to do Narita because, especially to the United States, you didn't have anything at Haneda. Yeah. The international long-haul outbound traffic was severely restricted for so long up until, what, 2016? Yep. And so 2016 got a little better, 2019 got way better, and then COVID screwed everything up. Um, and, and one correction. I mean, I think I said that LAX to Haneda is weak. I mean, it's it's weak, but they have two flights a day, both on 788s. AA does. They yeah. have the, like a late night and then they have the early morning departure. Yeah. So they do like a like a noon and a midnight kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's like 930 and midnight. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I think I mean, it's just it's 
it's fascinating that there's so much in this. I, I joked uh, in our chat that maybe they should start Miami to Haneda. Uh, AA should. Yeah. I'm kind of not joking. Like, So Miami wants Japan service so badly. It is a little surprising. They didn't come up with some cash to help support that. Yeah. Um, And convince American that that would be the smart choice. I think one of the challenges there is, again, what is in the best interests of the American traveling public as judged by the DOT. There's minimal connection via Miami. Yeah. Right. It, it's domestic um, connection, domestic connection. And it's uh, it's a long way. It's a long route. So yeah, it's 7,400 miles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, they have the planes to do it, but it's it's a really tough one to pull when you don't have domestic connecting flow. Yeah. yeah. And if you're going to talk about where demand really is, I think Miami doesn't come in the top 10 of cities with demand to Japan mm. and Houston does. So. New York obviously does. Um, that was sort of one of those documents that was in, or one of those charts that was in the uh, application documents. I'll see if I can pull it up real quick. But um, I mean, I found it interesting too that you know you you mentioned Charlotte. Um, that seems like a weird catchment for me. Like it's just, I southeast. I know, but it's still. It seems does American still do that much traffic through Charlotte? Yes. Is that a main? I mean, I would think Philly over Charlotte, but I guess I'm right. I would too, but, um, and right. Americans saying it, that there should be East coast service. So, um, I get that. Uh, yeah. Look at the top 10 cities, U S mainland to Tokyo demand is LA, New York, San Francisco, Seattle, Chicago, Washington, Boston, Houston, Las Vegas, DFW hmm. the top 10 in that order. So, um, Miami does not hit the top 10 and, at number 10, it's uh, 64,000 passengers a year, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, what else we got? That, was, that wasn't quick, Haneda follow-up. <laughs> never is. I, I, and this is the, the, the nuance and like weird bits of like what really matters. I always enjoy those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so whatever. Uh, Connect Airlines, uh, one that we've been talking about for a while, had their certificate revoked. So this is the Q400 operator that was going to serve as basically American uh, Connection, American Eagles type service uh, from downtown Billy Bishop, Toronto. Yep. Downtown Toronto, Billy Bishop. Uh, And they had, there's two steps to certification. You get uh, the DOT gives you a certificate for uh, interstate and or international service. And then the FAA gives you a certificate to carry passengers and you need both. Mm-hmm. And they got the DOT certificate saying that assuming they, you know, with the caveat that it was pending FAA certification, but if the FAA said that they had enough money and that they were operating safely and they had all the paperwork in order, they could fly. Uh, that was issued in July of 2022 and mm-hmm. earlier this year, they started appealing for extension. And that comes with a one-year must, you know, use or lose sort of bit. They started appealing, asking for extra time to process everything while they were working with the FAA. And in, I think they applied in like August for a further extension. And then it turns out that after that application came through in September, actually on September 11th, it they stopped 
or the FAA notified the DOT that uh, Connect Airlines had stopped working towards its certification. Oops. Wow. Um, so what's interesting is, and this came through in a regulatory filing, right? Like, you're, we're sorry, you didn't use your certificate. It's now been revoked. It was revoked without prejudice so they can reapply. Mm-hmm. Uh, the DOT did note that if they're going to reapply, uh, they should show up with bank statements audited by a third party because one of the big challenges throughout this has been that the CEO is, or maybe not the CEO, but I, I think it was the CEO, a senior leader was an Australian citizen. Hmm. And so foreign ownership and where the money is coming from was a challenge. And then, uh, but like, you know, it's my, I went back and was thinking about the movie, the sting where like, when you come to a game like this, show up and you bring your money. Uh, it's a great bit with Robert Redford, but, uh, they, the DOT basically said, show up with your money or we're not going to talk to you. Hmm. Like we're not, we're not screwing around this time. So uh, don't waste that yeah. time. Right. Uh, and, and to the point they were like, we don't have time to play with people who are only partially engaged. There's mm-hmm. other people who are actually prepared that we're, we're, we would focus on working with. Um, what's interesting about it is uh, flight global, the news agency followed up more than I did when I reported it last Friday. I reported it last Friday. They followed up, I think, this week or since uh, and basically said, and they got a quote from the company saying, no, no, we're going to appeal that. We definitely think that we should still be able to operate. And so it's a little surprising that they're still pushing the bacon. I mean, it's not surprising that they still want to do it. Yeah. But like, if you stopped doing your FAA stuff two months ago, it's not a good there's got to be more to it than just that. So what are we really doing here? Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. Indeed. Uh, Alaska revised their award charts um, starting next year. In March, I believe. Yeah. What do you think? Um, they, they've called it a unified award chart. So let's start with not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, I, it's uh, distance based rather than zone based, but it's all there's four different sets of charts. So the the good news is you no longer have to figure out which partner you're flying on to then figure out what the award's going to cost. I assume this also means you can mix and match partners easily, supposedly, which, which historically was something they did not offer. You and they partner. said that, they, and they said that's coming in the future. Yeah, right. So it was partner or partner plus Alaska Airlines, but not multi-partner very easily um, Correct. that's going to supposedly be fixed but uh yeah not great uh, <laughs> no no i mean it is great it's not great that like it's taking them so long to sort that bit out i think you know the ability to do multi-partner is great losing some of the sweet sp- award sweet spots is going to suck um they're keeping free stopovers on one-way awards they're keeping uh a lot of the good things about their program but um there's definitely going to be some adjustment there, but you know, they're one of the OG uh, programs that still sort of works on. It's not, it's not nearly as revenue based as it could be. Yeah. uh, That's probably still good news. I I I found as someone who actually uses those points, I just look at them. I think, I mean, there was definitely some sweet spots that I think kind of go away. Um, some of the, I mean, I think one of the things people pointed out was the Qantas, you know, F to to Australia from the U.S. was 70,000 points. Right. That goes away. 
Um, I never found Qantas first class availability in the recent, in recent years. So, I mean, it was kind of a moot point anyway. I think one thing, uh, or one area is like, uh, Singapore airlines from New York to, uh, Singapore is a hundred thousand or was a hundred thousand. And I in think that goes business? On, in business. And I think that goes up a little bit because of the rent, the distance. I think mm-hmm. it's like 9,000. So it's like right on the cusp. Um, and then, I, and that was a nice one. I think it helps with some of the Starlux stuff. Like Starlux has been ridiculous because they have two buckets currently for Starlux, like the yeah. the low business bucket and then like the high business bucket. And all you can find is the high business bucket. So maybe it helps with some of that. Maybe you just don't find awards anymore. I don't know. Um, I think they said so. They're, they they still said it's starting at prices. Yeah. They're going to still have where where they have access to double buckets. They're still going to have double buckets. Yeah. And so, so I don't think it helps with that at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would say don't don't hold your breath on the Starlux bit then. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I I I like the idea of at least knowing that it's sort of consistent. Yep. Um, but again, I, I agree that you know losing sweet spot sucks, and you'll have to, we have to find the new ones. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Um, also, we've got uh, Delta talking about Porto. And JetBlue talking about Lisbon. Yeah, man. Portugal's the place to be. <laughs> for, for United, next yeah, United secured slots for Faro, which is in the south-south of Portugal. So they are going to add. Um, and then you've got Delta uh, adding. They got their slot for a daily uh, yeah. summer service to Porto. Um, so we'll see if that adds, but cons- it's at least possible. JetBlue was on the application looking for double dailies to Lisbon. Uh, hmm. One is Boston and uh, JFK. Obviously, those are markets that it can serve with, say, 321s. Assuming it gets the enough planes, uh, which, right, they, they've they got their summer seasonal service and there's some challenges in terms of they are running some with the NEO, not the LR. Yep. And they don't need it for range, but it'd be nice to have the LRs because of catering for economy class um yep. bigger premium cabin them some of these markets might not support it but uh they did not get as of yet they did not get their slots that they asked for there's also much like with the amsterdam situation uh when they got slots the slots that might be available are almost certainly terribly timed for transatlantic service hmm. so um, we didn't put the i forgot to write amsterdam on here uh Oh the yeah, cuts are not happening. So they're gonna they're gonna give those the the shift of of push, pushing people out. And it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. So they're not gonna cut the number of slots or skip all next summer. Uh in a bizarre release from the airport, uh, they express disappointment because it presents it brings back uncertainty for our neighbors regarding sound and uh, noise and other changes. The airport is disappointed that it will have landing fees for 4,000 more flights next summer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I, yes, yeah, uh, Marty St. George was like, is this a hostage video? <laughs> like, should we, can you, can you zoom out and show us what's going on? I mean, who's their neighbors? I guess there's like, a neighbor. you, it's, it's, na- it's residential ish. I mean, there's people who live there. There's some, it's a lot of farms, a lot of industrial also, but there are, off like two of the runways, but I mean, 
there's noise. I mean, the, pol- the polder bond. I mean, I live. I mean, I live within five miles of, of PDX, and I hear jets every now and then. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> yeah, but you don't hear them nonstop for ten hours at a time if the runway's in use. That's true. I mean, I do, um, but it's not it's, nearly the same volume. Not nearly the same Frequency. volume. They're, they're usually up at eight thousand feet by the time they're over me. So, so anyway. And just like the number of planes, like right, Amsterdam basically flies every two minutes nonstop. PDX yeah. does not. Yeah, it's very true. And I, I mean, I get it. It's just, it's, uh, uh, yeah, the airport apologizing is is strange. Weird. Okay. <laughs> um, let's talk about United. United A three twenty one Neo. They inaugural. Uh, seems like it's moved up. I guess they're happy with. They got the inspection stuff sorted. They was. The first time it was never advertised as the inaugural, but the first time they filed the flight, it was for December 13th or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're now going to fly a Houston to O'Hare on November 30th, and then O'Hare to Phoenix launches on December 1st. Wow. Okay. So next, by the time you guys hear this, it should be next week, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, What's for me as I was booked on the 12th and I'm going to be in Japan for the 30th and the 1st, but. Well, what's this about grab and go snacks? Apparently, there's going to be a grab and go snack board, snack bar on board. Yeah, sort of like JetBlue. Yeah, I was going to say they're kind of slowly turning into JetBlue. Maybe. I mean, I guess bringing the lounge on board. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's an interesting one, right? This is a little bit of this is you have space and what do you do with it? Yeah. And how many seats can you put on board? Right, that United. If I remember correctly, it's 200 seats on board. Yeah, and it's exactly because 200. of. For flight attendants. That's flight attendants and doors, right? Yeah. Right. Um, so it's just flight attendants. You can put more people on with the doors, but um, if you do the 201, you need an extra flight attendant. So if they've got some space, you know, JetBlue has done similar things as well. Sort of makes sense, but uh, it's also a little weird. Where does it, where do you think it's going to be towards the front or the back? I didn't see that detail yet, unfortunately. I, I saw it rolled past me on a headline, and I haven't had a chance to dig into it. But it seems like it. it'd be strange to put it forward. I mean, they usually don't want people... Uh, they try to keep some of that yeah. traffic moving towards the back, but you never know. I mean, they do have a mid-cabin lavatory, so... Yes, it might be across from the mid-cabin lab. Is, that's common. Yeah, yeah. I guess how Jeff Blue set it up, so... Yeah. Um, and then uh, Houston Terminal B, IAH Terminal B. United had some announcements about this, and I was a little surprised. Uh, $2 billion worth. Yeah. They had fought with the city council over some of this, right? Yeah. The city council had to approve some of the funding, even though United's putting in the lion's share. Yep. Um, it's like 80-20, roughly, I think, on share, and maybe more than that. Um, and the city council, like, rejected it two weeks ago when it was supposed to be approved and then last year it was like oh okay never mind so <laughs> sorry we just yeah whatever whatever backroom dealing had to happen happened uh it's you know they're gonna make all the gates jet bridges instead of i disagree with you i dis. i don't think i don't read it that way some of them not all of them most of them i i it's a weird release and then the the mock-ups are weird and strange as well yeah. Like they they show some hard stand type setup as well, so that's that's why I'm confused. Yeah. So, Sorry, I didn't. Mean no, to... it's, it's, I I get it. Um, I haven't seen full details, but they are saying that they will be able to support two class jets at all gates mm-hmm. with 
uh, boarding bridges. One of the things with that is like, and I've seen it, I want to say, I want to say Gainesville had them at one point, my old home airport, like sort of ground level bridges. Yep. Where you can walk out on the ground and there's sort of a bit that comes and goes. Maybe. Maybe they do something like that. Yeah. yeah. At Philadelphia, maybe also in there. I don't remember that, but they're like at the end of their commuter terminal. Oh, they could be. Yeah. I feel like there's some ground level stuff there, but maybe you're covered the whole walk up the ramp or whatever. So there, there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, as they say. So, but they're going to get sort of get rid of most of the banjos there. They're going to make it more convenient and better. Um, who knows? Maybe they'll actually have space for everything. Yeah. I mean, I think the banjos go completely away now whenever this gets built. So yeah. um, it'll be kind of opposite and it'll connect C that you'll be able to walk between C, which you can do now. I think it'll be probably be a better walk. Yeah. Um, and I think the head house down on B South will be kind of expanded a bit. And then you'll actually have true gates on the, the kind of the fingers that go out. So um, definitely, a, definitely fits with their like master plan that a friend of ours pointed out to us. It fits with what they're doing. It just feels like IH is like under perpetual construction. Yeah. It's like been going on since I lived there and that was 15 years ago. So it's kind of wild. Um, Maybe they've trying to, you know, take over from LaGuardia as the always under construction. <laughs> yeah. They'll knock down one terminal next will be up. They'll be like, Oh, we need to rebuild E. Like, really? I mean, on the one hand, like it's annoying, but on the, like on the other hand, you, you kind of do, we do have to like maintain stuff and keep growing or at least keep it like clean and fresh and whatever. You mean it can't be like Charlotte. That's like perpetually in the eighties. Right, let's that make, whole, that like a prime extension that looks sort of modern now. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to crap on, on uh, Charlotte. It's crap on all of them. We're a pretty equal opportunity here. That's true. It's true. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another one. I mean, I guess Austin's probably the most crowded airport I've ever been in lately. Maybe Denver as well. Yeah, well, Austin's going to get quieter because they're, you know, <laughs> losing nice. losing some flights. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I wanted to bring this up. I saw this a little bit ago. United announced the air service to the new Tulum airport. Finally, yep. we were, we were wondering if it was going to happen. Um, so they're going to have flights to O'Hare, uh, Houston and Newark, uh, 22 times a week, uh, starting in March. Um, so and it's a lot. And, and they're going to start daily seasonal flights to LAX in May, which LA Cancun has been a market. <clears throat> I don't entirely understand, but it's, it's, been a growing one and so i guess this sort of makes sense but yeah kind of bizarre to me i uh, yeah i don't get it either uh just given how much it's a relatively long flight it's like five hours or something la to cancun right yeah yeah it's it's and so not short in two hours you can be on the west coast of mexico it in one of three or four resort towns that are great and far easier to get to I guess, like, the Mayan Peninsula and whatever over there is a different version of Mexico that might be worth it for some people. I just, I don't know. It seems... Yeah. It's hard for me to understand that demand. Yeah, I mean, I get the I get the Houston and Chicago. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. I, I, you, did you know that uh, Chicago Cancun, right now, they run a 777 United does on one of the flights? Like, one of the high-density 777s? I believe it. I mean... It's not year round, if I remember correctly. Correct. And they, the last couple of years, Cancun demand went through the roof, sort of the beginning of COVID, because Mexico didn't really close up. Um, 
And it's kind of stuck around, I guess. It's stuck <laughs> around because people are realizing it's relatively easy and relatively cheap. Yeah, I mean, it's not a long flight from Chicago. And it's, you know, if you stay in the resorts, it's... It's Disney-fied in a way, perhaps, is the best way to phrase it, right? Like, you don't have to deal with... You can speak English the whole time. Yeah. You're on a nice beach, nice-ish beach. It's warm water. It's blue skies. Like, you get quote-unquote Mexican food, depending on where you go. I'm not a huge fan of Cancun, if you couldn't tell. Uh, I'm not either. So uh, I've only been a couple of times, but I, I didn't yeah. enjoy it. Um, not for me. Yeah, for other people, it's fine. Yeah. Um, oh, and one other thing. So um, I think we mentioned it, but Portland-Nashville starts. Yeah. Uh, they announced that. I, can we talk a little bit about Nashville? Because like, some of the stuff that's coming out is like they want to pursue Hawaiian yep. service. I, what? <laughs> What is happening? Yeah. Hawaii is with Nashville, with Portland covered, I believe. Honolulu is the largest domestic destination without service. Yeah. It's so strange. As someone wrote, yes, and that's why we have hubs. Um, <laughs> it's, I, I sort of get it. Like, you do what you try to get what you can, and there's people who are making that trip. I don't know if it's enough to, I don't think it's enough to justify daily service. Yeah, I mean, because they'd have to they'd have to do it on A330, right? Yep, it's got to be a, a wide body. You can, maybe you could do, maybe you get twice a week, three times a week service. But do you fill it, as I guess the question, you know? Well, I don't know. If, you, if it's not daily, maybe you can. Yeah. The, 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 the economics and the logistics around daily versus not less than daily are always interesting to me. Um, yep. Historically, I think it was more cut and dry. If you didn't have daily, you didn't really have a route. Yeah, um, it, it's not quite that bad, but it was sort of close. And now it's a little better. Uh, airlines have gotten better. Passengers have gotten more used to, need, you know, being flexible in terms of some of that stuff. Um, and especially if you're doing a mostly leisure destination, you can do twice a week or three times a week um, where you get the Saturday to Saturday uh, timeshare crowds. Yeah, you get, you know, the couple people that go a little in between or extend a little longer. But I mean, it would be it would be uh, some there would be some numbers I'd like to see, like how many passengers are going to Hawaii, you know, yeah. daily or weekly through yeah. other hubs, you know, uh, I'm thinking Houston, Dallas, Phoenix. Yeah. Um, well, hang on. Let me pull up my Sirium tab here. And they've got the T100. There's a table somewhere in here that tells you um, E. DNA, you want know, all of Hawaii? Yeah, sure. Because that's probably a uh, decent number. Okay, I'm definitely looking at the wrong report here. Um, O&D, there we go. Uh, you'd think I'd know what I'm doing here. Um, so, this is uh, for Q2 2023... Uh, total of 161 passengers a day flew between Nashville and anywhere in Hawaii, according to DOT data. Uh, 22. No. Uh, 22. 162. Oh, in 2022? Okay, I misheard. Oh, no, no, no. I think that's... I, I just misheard you. Yeah. Um, in Q2 with... Uh, Las Vegas was the most popular connection point. On it's got to be Southwest, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, Interesting. So, so it could it could support a wide body almost. 
Almost. Um, average fare of $500 each way. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, that's gross fare. I think that includes ancillaries, maybe. There's a there's a regular fare and a gross fare, and I forget exactly which. Um, so this is, let me just make sure, this is non-directional average. This might be both directions. Okay. Oh, it's still, I mean... Okay, you split it up to every other day. Yeah, uh, no, non-directional. So this is this is each direction. That's, I mean, that's close to a wide body. I yeah, mean, you do it on you do it on a seven eight, and it kind of makes sense. And Hawaiians getting those. Yep. You do it two or three times a week instead of every day. Maybe it works, but you really got to fill it, and you got to you know five hundred bucks a head full. You'd probably be okay. I think I think Hawaiian could do that, right? Because they've got a smaller business cabin. Than most yes airlines and five hundred bucks and you upsell premium economy which I think they're going to have as well so it could be doable yeah I don't think that premium but yeah they don't legroom but not oh gotcha I got gotcha. you yeah they they don't today um yeah I was going to see I wanted to look at their seven eighty sevens real quick yeah they I know they've got the new uh, suites for their business class. Which is a really nice product. Yep. Um, uh, scrolling through. Nope. Just a just an extra yeah. comfort and which is just extra like, legroom. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like legroom and better snacks. Yeah. yeah. It does. I mean, it looks fine. I think for five hundred bucks, not but, a stop to Hawaii. So. Yeah, two hundred sixty-six economy class seats in the back of that plane. So. Yeah. And only one hundred and sixty daily passengers. So you know. It's got to go. It's got to go at a at a non-daily rate or cheap enough to induce more travel and i'm just not sure there's space in hawaii to get like to put more people yeah yeah so. okay well for our patreon subscribers stick around we're going to talk about some delta swaps and changes uh WestJet changes some paris news and uh virgin atlantic's uh rebooting some stuff so uh, we'll talk about that. Thanks to Josh Z and Mario G for becoming Patreon subscribers. We appreciate it. If you're not a Patreon subscriber, thanks for listening to the show. We appreciate you as well. And we'll talk to you next time. Happy travels. Take care. <laughs>